Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 30 of Yoga Land. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy 2017! I'm really excited to do my first podcast of this new year, and I'm going to focus it around a New Year's theme. So when I decided to do this, the idea that came at me full force, the idea that's been kind of gnawing at me and speaking to me in my head, is just how much I resist the concept of New Year's resolutions. And yet at the same time, I love the idea of starting fresh and of giving myself just a bit of a pause, a bit of a break to reflect on how I've been living and how I want to live. So I kind of walk around in this perpetual state of duality, right? Of just like, I'm not going to, you know, set some silly New Year's resolution that I'm going to break. And then, but, oh, wow, this is an opportunity to think about things. What I realized is that I really, 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 really loathe the aspect of New Year's resolutions that come from magazines. And I realized that if you are a human and you live on planet Earth, you probably know that January in the magazine publishing world is huge. It's a huge selling month for publications. And that's because Americans are so focused on self-improvement and on weight loss messaging and on achievement-oriented messaging, reaching goals. And all of these things are fine. All of these things are fine and they have their place. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. There's nothing wrong with, I, I mean, I shouldn't even say there's nothing wrong with, there's something really positive about surveying your habits and your current situation and like wanting to bring it all up a notch. And yet, and yet, if we only look at this side of things in our life, I feel that there's something missing and that we're missing kind of a deeper level of connection with ourselves. So while I'm not above setting goals and making resolutions and taking stock of, of personal habits, I think we have to realize that doing this is all really kind of material world focus. And the only focusing on these things will not ultimately bring us the kind of happiness that I think most of us seek. And that's the most important point that I want to get across. So another way of saying this is things like achievement or having your body look a certain way or perform a certain way, do a certain pose. These are things that are not the essence of your being. These are things that are going to go away. They're going to change. And as much as we'd like to control them and think that if we control them once, we'll always have control over them, that's not how life and aging and nature works. Life and aging and nature are all dynamic processes. And yoga can help us feel the more fundamental essence of who we are. And I think when you feel that essence is when you feel that sense of, of happiness. So I want to say that I love you no matter what you weigh, no matter which yoga poses you can do, no matter how long you can meditate, no matter how many people come to your yoga class, and no matter how much money you make or how beautiful you think you are, I love you. And I don't know about you, but this is the kind of world that I want to help create. And it's only been in the past few years of my life that I felt 
empowered to actually be able to create that space and that world. So if you're sitting there feeling like, oh, I'm not there yet, I I get it. You know, I am in my 40s and it took having a child and having a cancer diagnosis for me to get to this place of really understanding these things. So these are three resolutions that I invite you to consider this year in addition to whatever other resolutions you are have on your plate. The first is use your yoga practice as a means for getting to know yourself better. So I've been thinking so much lately about yoga's popularity and the consistent debates and internal struggles I hear about how yoga has become overly focused on the body or on a workout mentality or on achieving difficult poses. And it's just kind of, you know, it's all over social media. And I agree that this challenge, this is a challenge and it's a real one, right, for, for humans to be too bodily focused. I just kind of outlined why. But I also think that this challenge has been there for a long time, at least 100 years. And anyone who says that it hasn't, I mean, this challenge within, within the yoga practice, and anyone says that it hasn't been there is, I don't think is necessarily look, telling the truth. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about when I first started my yoga practice and did I look at images of people doing hard yoga poses, even though Instagram didn't exist? Yes, I did. I looked at them in Yoga Journal. I looked at Sharon Gannon. I had, when I was working at a dot-com in the 90s, I had a black and white gorgeous photo of the gorgeous Sharon Gannon. She's a goddess doing Pinchamayarasana in like a shiny, cool spandex unitard. I had never seen anything like that before. I wasn't even, I was like barely doing yoga at the time. And I put it up in my cubicle kind of as this like orientation toward a goal that I didn't even know exactly what it was yet, like a life that promised something to me that was mystical and magical and where you could do really cool, exciting things with your body. I also remember looking at images of Richard Freeman, who is just like one of the most physically adept people I have ever seen in my life. You know, this sounds so geeky to say this, but it's like he can like internally rotate his hips to this insane degree. He can externally rotate his hips to this insane degree. He can forward bend to an insane degree. He can back bend to an insane degree. And I've been thinking about what those photos did for me early on in my practice. Like, was that all negative that I looked at those people doing those things, some of those things that I can do now and some of those things that I can't do now that I've, I've sort of like put on the back burner of um, my, physical, my physical goals in the, in, the, in the spirit of wanting to be healthy. And what those photos did, did for me, obviously they were aspirational, but They offered a promise of mastery, of self-mastery. And that's what I really wanted. So that's what I want you to focus on. I mean, I think that self-mastery comes from simply getting to know yourself better and knowing what your limitations are, knowing what your full capabilities are. And that's what the yoga practice can help you do. You know, as you do your physical practice, even if you want to continue to focus on a specific goal pose, as you are trying to move into that pose or as you're working up to that pose, use it as a way to get to know your body better. Which side feels better? Which side feels tighter? Where do you need strength? Where do you need flexibility? All of the actions 
and alignments that you do are ways to simply get to know your blood and your viscera and your bones and your mind better. And so that brings me to goal number two, which is use the self-awareness practice as a means of self-acceptance. And um, I talk about this in earlier podcast that yoga isn't intended to be a self-improvement practice. It's it's intended to be a practice of self-acceptance. One of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books, um, which is Buddhism Without Beliefs by Stephen Batchelor, is awareness is a process of deepening self-acceptance. Awareness is a process of deepening self-acceptance. So for some of us, that's easy, that, that comes more easily to us than others. For some of us, simply shining the light of awareness on our thoughts and on our movements and on our body and on our breath brings that natural feeling of self-acceptance. Others of us need a little more help. So I think, this is going to sound a little self-helpy, but I think it's crucial to decide at certain times, and for me it's usually off the mat, but to decide that when a negative thought comes, that you're going to actively counteract that thought. And there's a yoga sutra for that. It's 233 Pratipaksha Bhavanam, which um, there are, of course, many translations, but the one that I like that I play in my head over and over again is when hindered by doubt, cultivate the opposite thought. So an example would be uh, if a thought comes up like, oh, I wish I could lose five pounds so that I could feel more comfortable in my jeans and look like that woman over there. The opposite thought could be, my goal is to feel comfortable in who I am. My goal is to appreciate my body for what it can do. Say that to yourself and just let it go. You don't have to berate yourself for having the thought, uh, for having the negative thought. You just simply reinforce the positive and then let it go. Another example, and this is one that I hear women do a lot and it kind of drives me crazy, is you go out to dinner with three girlfriends. You have the best time. You drink margaritas that are delicious. You eat chips and guac. You do whatever it is that, that you do that makes you feel amazing. And then the check comes and you go, oh, I'm so full. Why did I eat that? Ugh, why did we order dessert? Ugh, I ate more than anyone here. And so like that's really invalidating a really fun, positive experience. So the opposite thought in this case would be, wow, that was so fun and totally worth it. And I don't feel great now. So I'm going to start fresh again tomorrow and just let it go. Enjoy your life, validate the positive and accept that you are flawed and that you're going to have missteps and then let it go. Okay. Resolution number three is be the love. And I was on uh, Taylor Harkness's, our friend Taylor's uh, brand new podcast, and I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I talked about how important I think it is to be the love, especially if you want to feel love. And at the surface, this can sound like kind of a syrupy hallmark approach, you know, and so I want to explain a little bit more of what I mean by that. 
I was listening to a Sharon Salzberg podcast the other day, and she encapsulated it perfectly. So I'm going to tell a story from that podcast. Sharon Salzberg is an amazing uh, meditation teacher. You should check out her podcast. But she said that, and I'm paraphrasing this little story here. I hope I'm, I'm getting it. I'm, I know that I'm getting it right, but I, I don't mean to butcher her exact language. But she said that a student came up to her at one point and said, you know, I've been taught my whole life to like everyone to accept everyone. And I've been taught that loving someone is like this high level emotion. It's like this thing that's reserved for only the most special people in my life. And he said, your teachings kind of invert this whole paradigm. You're saying to, to love everyone, but, but that you don't have to like everyone. And I think her response to that was, yeah, I am saying that. And you're right. That's kind of weird. So this is the essence of what I'm trying to convey. Saying that you love everyone or having the feeling, I think more importantly, having the feeling of loving everyone doesn't mean that you have to like every single thing about every single person. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with what everyone else believes. So I'm not saying that loving everyone is a way of being, you know, sweet and kind and of bypassing reality all the time. Vivika, discernment, is an important aspect of, of yoga philosophy. So it's important to engage in life and engage with people and have conflicts and have debate and have differences of opinions. But it doesn't mean that, that the love is not there. That's just a key thing to keep in mind. So when I talk about being the love, um, I think it has to come from a natural feeling within you. And that feeling is is beyond the mind. It's not really like a mental construct. And I think it's something that we experience in quiet moments of contemplation. And I think it's a gift of yoga and meditation that other physical and mental endeavors don't, don't provide. They don't offer. So I'm talking about that feeling that you might experience um, in deep meditation, even in short periods of meditation, or during Shavasana, that feeling, that welling up of love and reverence that you have for your life and for all life around you. So I guess I, I didn't really realize when I started this resolution, but I suppose I'm saying to you, start a meditation practice this year. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, meditation can really help bring out that feeling state. And the other reason this resolution of being the love is important to me is that I really do think that when you offer love in small and kind ways to people around you every day that you get it back tenfold, if not more. And I think that we underestimate how much little actions and little kindnesses and paying attention to other people. We underestimate how much of a ripple effect that has on others that then has on the rest of the community and on the world at large. So, you know, pay attention to the people around you. Offer someone a seat on the bus or at a cafe who seems like they need it. Offer a hand to a mom whose kid is having a meltdown at the checkout in the grocery store. Just say to her, like, are you okay? Do you need help? Do you want me to move your stroller for you? Um, you know, if we live in a world, if we want to live in a world where people are kind to each other and respectful of each other and really listen to each other, 
we have to start with ourselves and our own actions. And at the very least, at the end of the day, you will feel so much better doing this because you'll be surprised by how much people appreciate it and by how much more connection you have with the people around you throughout your day. So there you have it. My three resolutions for having a great yoga practice this year and a great year. Thanks so much for listening. You can find show notes for this episode at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 30. And you can comment on that page. Um, tell me what your resolutions are this year. Or you can comment on my Instagram account. You can follow me at Andrea Ferretti. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a wonderful 2017. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Have a great practice this week. <laughs>